my name is Hope Williams, and I am here with my mom, Kathy. Hi, everybody. Today we are going to be talking about a specific chapter in the novel, The Things They Carried by Tim O'Brien. So I was assigned this book for my creative writing class, and it is now one of my most favorite books I have ever read, so much so that I need to share it with anyone and everyone who is willing to listen. So that must be you guys today. This book is a collection of short stories slash memoirs of the author Tim O'Brien's experience fighting with a platoon of American soldiers in the Vietnam War. And I say short stories and memoirs because O'Brien is an expert weaver of stories. These are his experiences, but there is a heavy dose of fiction thrown in to add like a creative edge to his nonfiction. At the very heart of this book, it is a story about telling stories. So it is about taking something as painful and as scarring as the Vietnam War and twisting it and reclaiming it. So first, before we really get into the nitty gritty of the book, I wanted to introduce again my mom, Kathy. Hi, Kathy. Can you say some some words about yourself? Hi, Hope. My name is Kathy (laughs) Williams. I am the proud mother of two. Yeah. One of which is with us today. Uh Uh, My background is in communication and journalism. I have many years of broadcast experience as well as teaching at the college level in the communication journalism department. Currently, I am an academic advisor with Champlain College, and I am not the literary expert in this group. Mm -hmm. (laughs) My daughter is definitely the expert when it comes to all things literary. Um, If you would like to talk broadcast I'm your person. Yep. If you would like to talk about books, Hope is your girl. Mm-hmm. But today I am making you talk about books with me. So, yes. yeah. So also, how, how do you feel about podcasts? Tell me. I'm perplexed by podcasts because I don't enjoy listening to people talk. Um, I know I'm a broadcaster, so therefore I enjoy talking. Yeah. I mean, you, you had a radio show at her background when she was in college she had her she you had your own radio show didn't you i was a radio disc jockey for a local radio did station did you get to like have a name like my on name the radio? was my name on the radio was <laughs> cat phillips yes cat phillips cat phillips in the house uh-huh um so yeah okay so that's a that's kind of like an old school version of a podcast true and as long as i'm the one doing the talking i'm good with a podcast i'm just not a fan of listening to podcasts okay well, ever since I got my, my new car, thanks mom and dad too, um, yeah, <laughs> um, it has the, the Bluetooth. So I am now able to listen to not only like my Pandora and my Spotify, but I have opened up the world of podcasts and oh my God, yeah, I listen on the way to class, on the way to school, everywhere I go. I, even if it's like a 30 second drive which at that point I shouldn't even be driving. I should be walking, but good point. (laughs) I will listen to my podcast. So yeah. So whenever, I don't know, whenever I was thinking of doing this podcast, you are always the person who I thought of because I love my conversations with you. And so, so why not (laughs) record it? You learn a lot. That's good. Yeah. I'm I'm flattered to be here. I'm excited to get into it with you. Okay, so now for that nitty-gritty that I was promising you, so the the things they carried. And this is the chapter. I chose the chapter, Sweetheart of the Song Trabong. And now stay with me as I try and explain this. So first, this 
whole chapter is a story within the story. So we start out with, um, in first person, we start out with Tim O'Brien um, in a memoir style. He's talking about how him and his platoon buddies often sat around and told each other stories. And there was this one friend who he calls Rat. And Rat always has the most crazy stories you you don't even believe. But there's this one specific story that he's telling about... Um, when when Rat was with another platoon, uh, he had a friend who was really getting lonely. And so he invited and paid for his girlfriend back home to come and join them. Okay, and I'd like to read the beginning of this. For Rat Kylie, I think, facts were formed by sensation, not the other way around. And when you listen to one of his stories, you'd find yourself performing rapid calculations in your head subtracting superlatives, figuring the square root of an absolute, and then multiplying by maybe. This made me smile because as soon as I read that description, I thought of my father. Uh Hope's pap-pap. Because Uh this was who my father was. Everyone knows someone that when they tell a story, you are just going through it with the, could this actually Uh even be true? The grain of salt. Yes, because it's it's so grandiose and so out there that on some level it has to be real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's like, that's just the biggest part. It almost gets confusing in this chapter, which is like, it's going to be hard to explain every podcast. But me, I was just, when I was reading, I'm like, oh my God, like what? Wait, no, is is that real? I'm confused. Like you're, it's, you're not supposed to like know the truth and know what's right the entire time you're reading this and you're you're getting confused you're you're getting like wait wait who's saying what who's doing this and it's it's all adding to the like is this story true is it not does it matter um you wanted to say something so essentially rat is telling the story how one of his platoon mates uh-huh. eddie fossey yes thank you his name. eddie fossey <laughs> figured out a way to bring his girlfriend from Cleveland Heights, Ohio <laughs> on a cargo plane from the United States, across the pond through Europe into Vietnam. And the story continues when rat is telling the story the day this young woman stepped off the plane into Vietnam and she was wearing her white culottes and her cute little pink sweater. Wait, hold on, pause. What the heck are culottes? Can you culottes. explain? Culottes are kind of like um, gauchos. Oh, okay. They're kind of mid-thigh or, excuse me, mid-calf, like uh-huh. wide leg Interesting. jeans. Those are, those are coming back in style. I'm sure they are. Uh-huh. Everything is coming back in style. <laughs> so... um as as I was thinking of this, it was kind of for me the ultimate the ultimate selfish act from a young man who would who would figure out a way to bring a seventeen year old female who just graduated from high school to Vietnam because he didn't want to be lonely. Mm-hmm. That's really funny because I never even thought of that because I was more into the the analyzing again i was stuck on the whole thing of okay rat is telling this crazy story so is it is it true or not and yeah so i never i never even paused to consider like this boy just brought this girl into a war zone which yeah a war zone that housed 
six members of the Green Beret uh-huh. that yeah. were um, involved in top secret um, missions on a regular basis. And we forgot to mention that Eddie Fossey was a medic. So essentially anyone that was hurt in combat was brought to this area to be treated. Mm-hmm. So they were really far off and isolated from from the front line, so to speak. But if anyone knows anything about the Vietnam War, you know that they're really, this war blurred the lines of a front line because the war was everywhere. Um, soldiers in this combat zone didn't know if the villagers were friends or foes and there were landmines everywhere. Mm -hmm. And so it was extremely dangerous for these young men. So as the story is unfolding, this young girl gets off a plane. She's got her white culottes and her cute little pink fuzzy sweater. Mm, She's like blonde, blue eyed. Yes. And, and all I can think of is the selfishness of Eddie Fossey. All I can think of is how this woman has just been put into not only the dangers that would be in a war zone, but the dangers of being the only female for a number of miles. Mm -hmm. So as a mother of a daughter, my brain went to a completely different place. Yeah. Well, can we put all the blame on Eddie? Because, I mean, she accepted his invitation to come here. And, I mean, it's not like people at home. At this point, people are probably... You know, the, the hippies were probably protesting the war and, you know, people, people talked about this war so much at home. So you don't think it's a little bit of her own, I don't know if it's nativity or, or I don't know, but that's so funny that you like just place the blame <laughs> on Eddie, but it's I, like, hello. She was like, heck yeah, I want to come to Vietnam for a quick little vacation to see my boo. I put, yeah, <laughs> I put 100% of the blame on Eddie. I did. say. And, um, I was just thinking of a 17 year old girl who, who would be naive enough to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's another part where it talks about, she was in her cutoff blue jeans, her black swimsuit top. This also made me uneasy because again, I'm, I'm envisioning this woman. Here are these men who have been in a war, basically, you know, in this compound on their own. So again, for me with the, the me too movement going on around us, that's all I could think of was, mm-hmm. this is just such a dangerous, dangerous situation for a young woman to be in, not just because of it being Vietnam and it being the middle of a war, but just because she is the only female. Mm-hmm. For miles. Yeah. Yeah. And also it was in a different chapter actually leading up to this, but uh, essentially like the buddies were, um, hanging around and they were like kind of saying how they could go get prostitutes right now if they wanted. And the guy's like, nah, I don't want, and it's Eddie. He's like, no, I don't want a prostitute. I just, I just want my girlfriend. And then, then it jumps into this chapter where he, his girlfriend actually showed up. So yeah, so that's what I was thinking that put me on edge for this, for the most of this entire chapter, just thinking about that. Cause if they just, they're always, O'Brien, the author of the entire story, is always mentioning how she's what what she's wearing and like and uh and like, that she was blue hair or excuse me, blonde hair, blue <laughs> eyes, or cute little pink sweaters. Yeah. There um the story happens very quickly. It's within a matter of weeks, but I, I also got very upset because soon after she arrived, um, Eddie 
took her to the village because she wanted to go and visit and see how the people in the village lived. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't help but think that the old saying of curiosity killed the cat. Or, as I like to say, stupid little girl. <laughs> because there was a war she going on. a lot. <laughs> there was a war going on. and Yeah, that made me mad, too. The war wasn't going to stop. Snipers weren't going to stop just because she came to visit. Yeah, in mm -hmm. fact, I, I would be more angry if, like, a little blonde girl came into my, to my village. <laughs> I would imagine there were a lot of people within that village who had never seen a blonde haired blue eyed person in their life. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I was thinking about that for the better half of the story. Like just it, it made me feel like afraid for what's about to happen next. Like this, this young girl in Vietnam, like this is not, this is a recipe for a disaster. This is not going to end well. Um, and just in the way that Rat and the other um, men describe her, like on, on page 92, Rat says, her pretty blue eyes seemed to glow. She couldn't get enough of it. On her way back up to the compound, she stopped for a swim in the song Trabong, stripping down to her underwear, showing off her legs while Fosse tried to explain to her about things like ambushes and snipers and the stopping power of an AK-47. The guys, though, were impressed. A real tiger, said Diamond. D-cup guts, trainer bra brains. She'll learn, somebody said. Diamond gave a solemn nod. There's the scary part. I promise you, this girl will most definitely learn. Like, okay, are, are you going to teach her a lesson? Like, I, are, are you going to... Just the things that come to my mind is like, well, is she going to be raped? Is she right. going to be kidnapped? Is she just going to be, like, tossed around? Just like, really, this... This is probably one of like the most spooky and off-putting chapters of this entire book. Like right. it, it is just the the whole power dynamic and just again like they're 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 describing her as this beautiful, skinny, big-breasted girl who's just there just willy-nilly and just totally walking on landmines and things like that. And then but the story moves very quickly. Yeah, yeah. Good point. So yeah, so that, they get into actually just like in the next page, Rat says, true, she could be silly sometimes, but she picked up things fast. At the end of the second week, when the four casualties came in, Mary Ann wasn't afraid to get her hands bloody. At times, in fact, she seemed fascinated by it. And then on the next page, it goes, continues, um, other things too, the way she quickly fell into the habits of the bush. No cosmetics, no fingernail filing. So... And now she is no longer um, dressing in her pretty pink clothes and culottes and things like that. She she cuts her hair short. She like starts wearing the um, the the uniforms like the other men. She starts carrying weapons like the other men. She actually taught herself to use an AK forty seven, and they were impressed at how quickly she was able to learn that skill. Again, we're within the two week time frame. Mm -hmm. And then I think for me, the biggest transition in the story was that. She started to go on ambushes with the Green Berets. Or yeah, so she would she would leave her her boyfriend and their own like little group behind and go with these other Green Berets who were like they they were described they they weren't even described as like humans they they were these men who were so so lost to war and the violence of it and they they weren't men they were machines and she starts hanging out with them. 
and going off with them and things like that. So, and they called the Green Berets the Greenies because they were devoid of emotion. They were mm-hmm. devoid of any sort of eye contact. They would come and go in the middle of the night without any of the other men on the base knowing. Um, and they would go and do the unspeakable things that no one really talked about. So from the first trip of the Green Berets, page 98, to page 109, it was a three-week time period. and. On page 109, there's a quote that says, what happened to her, Rat said, happened to them all. And essentially what happened with Marianne is she went from being this young, innocent high school graduate Mm -hmm. to someone who was actually going out and killing villagers and wearing necklaces made of tongues. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, The description in the book is, is quite, quite gruesome. Yeah. And I was thinking, there's no way, not, there's no way that this could happen to someone in three weeks. But then with that quote, what happened to her, Rat said, happened to them all. Yeah. Made me realize that Marianne was just an analogy for all the young, innocent men who went to Vietnam. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, is she even a woman? Is this story again? Hello. Is this story true? (laughs) No, I think it's an analogy because using a woman made that transformation so much more profound. Yeah. Yeah. But this is what happened to hundreds of thousands of millions of, you know, young men, boys. Exactly. Uh Um, Oh, that's so true. Like it, it's shocking to us. We're all like, Oh my God, like what's going to happen to her? No, honey, don't do it. Um, but she's doing it and she's getting lost in it, but we don't have that same fear and that same anxiety when we're talking about the young boy in war. Like we do, but, but we don't at that extent. Right. So for me, it was was (laughs) quite a shocking chapter and Oh my God, this is the best chapter of the book. <laughs> and in terms of writing, Hope, I will yeah. let you speak to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So going back again, this, this story, it's broken up. If if you have your book, everybody, open up your book. <laughs> but if not, just listen to me desperately try to explain this. So it goes, the first paragraph of the, um, the chapter is told in first person from the eyes of Tim O'Brien as he's um, living and breathing it um, and um, listening to Rat tell the story. And then there's a very, very distinct um, paragraph break and it goes into third person when Rat is living and experiencing the story that he is telling. And then for the rest of the chapter, it's going back and forth, back and forth, paragraph break between first person Tim and third person rat experiencing this. Um, and I I just loved it so much because once I found out that that formula, I was able to see like, um, it, it played like a movie in right. my head. Yeah. Right. It absolutely, this chapter definitely played more like a movie than reading a book because of the switch in person, I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And because um, it's like, when Tim is speaking in first person, it's, 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 you know, <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. It's, you see the platoon buddies dirty and tired, um, little food or whatever. And they're all hanging on to the words that this man is telling them. Cause that's all they have for entertainment. That's all they have to think about other than their own very, very bleak and, um, sad, like reality in the moment. 
Um, so I thought that was like such a really, really interesting twist and in play on this chapter. And it was really played into why I love it the most. And just the best part about the whole back and forth that I love so much is um, at one point when Tim is again, writing in first person, um, he's talking about how uh, another one of their friends, Mitchell Sanders, he keeps interrupting rat while rat is telling the story. Um, and he's M- Mitchell is like commenting on rats style of telling um, the, his story and everything. So I'll just read from the book on 102. Rat would go on like that until Mitchell Sanders couldn't tolerate it any longer. <laughs> it offended his inner ear. The story, Sanders would say, the whole tone, man, you're wrecking it. Tone? The sound. You need to get a consistent sound, like slow or fast, funny or sad. All these digressions, they just screw up your story's sound. Stick to what happened. Frowning, Rat would close his eyes. Tone, he'd say. I didn't know it was all about that complicated. The girl joined the zoo. One more animal. End of story. Yeah, fine, but tell it right. So I just love that. <laughs> yeah, that was very profound. Yeah. Like, like, and it broke it up, too, because by that time, the story had gotten so heavy. Yeah. Where Marianne is hanging out in in the greeny, uh-huh. green beret. Very, very, very graphic imagery of her becoming, like Rat just said, like, just another animal. Like, she's, she's, no, she's no longer human. She's no longer a female. She's, um, like, a, 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 what's An the word? not a a product of war is like what she has become. Um, And so good point. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Just the fact that Tim O'Brien can construct something that I guess, let me just talk about then my, my biggest takeaway. Um, So not only is a story packed with crazy details, heavy suspense, just a lot of stuff um, to take in and process, but it's also how O'Brien, the author of the story, constructs the story. Like, that's what makes this book famous. That's what makes this my my favorite chapter of my favorite book. It's just the fact that, I don't know, I, I get too emotional. Yeah, it was, it was very well done. It was, it was definitely more like watching a movie than reading a book, for mm-hmm. me anyway, because of his his style of writing, yeah, which is not something that I can say that I was very used to. Mm-hmm. And so I know that uh, when this was received by the public, actually a lot of people who either had family like in the war or had been in the war, they hated it. They hated the story. They were pissed. Mm-hmm. They so what do you what do you think about that? Well, I could see how how it would be upsetting. Like what what if Papa read this? What do you think? And also to give an up. <laughs> what if Pep Ep read? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Anyways, backup or like Pep Ep, Pep Ep was in the Korean War and had PTSD, but wasn't, um, and this is my Pep Ep, uh-huh, my mother's father, and he wasn't diagnosed with PTSD until he was what age? 78. 78. So what, I mean, just, just try, mother, for the sake of this podcast okay. to get in the head a pap-ap reading this book if he... I don't think he would have been able to. Um, I mean, I... Just because of Just like he wouldn't have been able to, like... No, it was was a tough read for me, especially when Marianne started to transition into this dark, dark world of war. Mm -hmm. Um, So I can't imagine knowing my father. I don't think he would have. So um, I think I would have to just kind of speak for him in that um, it really hit on those dark places. 
but Tim O'Brien was able to deliver it um, in an entertaining way mm-hmm. that still brought a lot of feeling with it. I mean, look, you and I started off thinking this poor woman was getting raped yeah, and it ended up this poor woman was turning into an animal that was going out and killing basically for sport. Um, which there's the part in the book where they talk about the Green Berets barracks had a pile of human bones in the corner with a sign oh, that said, God. build your own gook. That for me was, I was, I was very glad I was at the end of the story at that point, because yeah. for me that hit really hard for me. Um, and that's where I came to the realization that, you know, it was shocking because it was a young woman. Mm-hmm. whereas it should have been just as shocking because this is what happened yeah. to these young men. Yeah. But thank you so much, Hope, for letting me uh, be yeah. part of this. This has been fun. Uh-huh. Did you like that I made you read? I love it. I'm I, always I, asking. I love books and I love talking about books, but no one ever wants to read the book to talk about it with me. So I just have to, I had to make my mom do that. <laughs> no, but, I love to read. I love to read what Hope tells me to read because if Hope tells me to read it, mm-hmm. I know it's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but so did you, did you like this book? Give it a one through five stars, please. I, I would definitely give it a five. Mm, um, nice. Wait, hold definitely on. Definitely give it a five, but it's, it's chapter, a very emotional. You didn't, you didn't read the whole book. Very emotional. <laughs> this, this one chapter that I read uh-huh. was very emotional. So the next question, final question, would you go back and read this book? Absolutely. Book? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So I my, think it's so my nightstand to read. Okay, good. Yeah. Well, <laughs> my mother is frantically waving for me to end this podcast. Bye. Thank you, everybody. she wants to go do something else. And she keeps saying this is my own homework <laughs> project. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you guys for listening i hope you enjoyed it and thank you mom for talking and reading and spending time with me love you bye love you goodbye you've got like 10 more minutes and i'm out i just started recording (laughs) there put that in there